Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shalom and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I'm Rabbi Joshua Kahan, and today's Daf is Shkalim Daf He, page 5. The opening to chapter 2 of Shkalim raises an interesting question of ownership. The situation involves residents of a town who wish to send their shekel tax by a messenger, since they are not able to each travel individually. En route, the money is lost. The messenger is required to take an oath that the money was not lost out of negligence, and then he is considered exempt. However, the Mishnah debates to whom he makes this oath, and thus who is considered ultimately responsible for this money while it is en route. Does he make an oath before the townspeople who sent him, who are then responsible to replace the lost money? Or before the treasurer of the temple, meaning that the money belongs to, belong to the temple already, and therefore it is lost to the temple and not replaced. At issue is the status of things that one designates as gifts to the temple. It is clear that such things immediately take on the status of being consecrated, that is, holy to the extent that one may not then change one's mind and use them for a different purpose. So they're already treated, at least in some respects, like temple property. But are they already fully temple property? What if they're lost or ruined? Do I have to replace them? Or is the loss simply the temple's loss? This is especially relevant when I have sent something by messenger. It creates an in-between period where the object, which at base belongs to the temple, is no longer in my possession, but has not yet been received at the temple itself. Now, with normal objects when I'm giving something to another person, we would say that unless the messenger has been authorized by the recipient to accept it on their behalf, I am responsible until it is delivered. But with the temple, the fact that its holiness infuses the object the moment I designate it suggests that the transfer of ownership happens immediately. The Mishnah suggests that the collected shkalim can become temple property the moment the collected shkalim that have already come to the temple are officially deposited into the treasury in the final days before the first of Nisan. Until this time, the original owners are still responsible, but once that deposit is made there in the temple, that alters the status not only of the money that's already arrived there, but also of money that is en route. Before that time, though, none of the tax money is really temple property. It is just that the temple treasurer has taken custody of it and responsible for protecting it. But once that date comes, all of the money changes status, whether it has arrived at the temple or not. This creates an odd situation, where the issue of who is responsible for the money lost en route depends on something that's happening in a totally different place. It also seems to contradict the general principle that an item designated for the temple becomes temple property at once. This leads to two interesting resolutions in the Gemara. 
Rabbi Shimon essentially claims that there is a unique type of partial ownership. When I designate an item for the temple, I no longer own it, but I am nonetheless still fully responsible for it as a custodian until it is delivered. He says that the change in an item's status doesn't necessarily indicate a change in who's responsible for its loss. Rabbi Yochanan says something very different. He says that the entire notion that the messenger should take an oath at all is simply a rabbinic decree. Legally, technically, the money belongs to the temple. And therefore, if, if it is lost, no one is responsible, nor need anyone technically take an oath. But this law leaves far too much room for either abuse or, on the other hand, suspicion. On the one hand, it makes it too easy for either the residents or the messenger to say that the money was lost and then to keep it. On the other hand, the treasurer, who theoretically owned this money but never even laid eyes on it, is likely to suspect the, sender, the senders of deceit, even if it was genuinely lost. So, says Rabbi Yochanan, the messenger should take an oath, even though it is not required and the residents should replace the lost money, regardless of when it was lost, even though they are not technically obligated to do so. Now, This debate is sensitive to the very complicated relationship we have with money, and particularly with the giving of charity. What is the status of money that we've placed in a tzedakah box that is then lost? Or stocks or, or something intended for tzedakah that then loses some of its value. At what point should I consider myself committed to a donation such that I would replace, replace it if it is lost? Or such that I would feel it, it would be wrong to change my mind? The idea of temple ownership challenges our very idea of charitable giving. If I consider it an obligation to give a certain portion of my wealth to charity, I should, in theory, not even think of that money as mine. It is designated for a certain cause the moment even it comes into my possession, and I am just the one charged with making sure it gets there. In other words, I am playing the role of custodian rather than owner. I am not taking money that I might have spent on my own needs, but identifying money that is not rightfully mine. Yet very few of us think of our charitable giving in these terms, and even the it, when we try to, it goes against our instincts. The same can be said of taxes. The amount one pays in taxes could be considered government property inherently, and we merely custodians of it until it is delivered to its rightful owners. But we don't experience it that way. We sign a contract and are promised a certain monthly salary, which we expect to receive only to find that our monthly paycheck is somewhat less. Or the money goes into our bank accounts, and then we find ourselves writing out large checks depleting stores of funds that we thought were ours. In other words, we experience not money that belongs to the government, going to the government, or money that is required to be given to charity, going where it's supposed to go, but rather those institutions taking money out of our supplies. 
I wonder if the model of temple ownership of things, of things due to it, or promised to it, can challenge us to change our ways of thinking about the money that we give that enables the many different social functions that we consider important and valuable. If it can alter our perception of the burden of both charitable giving and of taxes. It certainly serves to remind us of how many things that we deeply value in our society are things in which we are not only invested, but whose existence we are expected and required to enable. Shalom. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.